The following audio drama is rated R for rockin'. You can be sure that everything you wanted to see when you're a teenager is here. Just tantalizingly out of reach if you're under 17 or 18 years old. Hi, this is Bibi June, writer and voice actor on Folklore, which is a queer urban horror podcast set in Glasgow. This is episode three called Static. Content warnings apply for loss of a child, a warped sense of reality and physical injury. Enjoy and thank you for listening. No two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, My lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house then it happened, the third day after I had given birth. And this woman also gave birth, and we were together. No one was in the house with us, and this woman's son died in the night, because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had borne. Then the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. Thus they spoke before the king. I can't sleep. Sitting in the window seat between six up and six down, Glasgow City sounds sleepless. Mockingly mimics my face mirrored in the window, the reflection showing the contents of our bedroom, tour lion, small crib, and a wardrobe. Mess of a bedhead frames my tired face, but I barely recognize the smoothed out window pane version as I watch the slow transition from sunset to sunrise that I have seen so often since my daughter was born. It's what happens, apparently, when you become a parent. It seeps in silently. In the negative space of those first cries sits in the shadows of the life you created, takes root in your blood like a virus and then poisons you. The panic. The dread that makes a parent's bed stretches out on the mattress and invites you to come lie in it. It darkens your mind until the world becomes a place defined by its edges. Every corner a crime scene, every risk too reckless, and when the world settles into a nighttime slumber, the adrenaline still pulses through your body. And you sit, listening to the existence of stilted breaths, the thoughts of doom and death too tangible to forget. I'm told it gets better, and it has. Slaughtered into routine like a fruit machine, more a habit than a need, but... In the in-between of wake and sleep, I still stand over her crib and listen in for her breathing, trying to remember the pattern of it. The gasp that pre-crawls the breath on which she lives, the slow release following. What's that? It's nothing, love. She's up. I'll go get her. Oh, this is my turn. Let me. It's fine. 
Just go back to sleep. You'll have her tomorrow. Before she was born, I wanted her so badly. Lived with her existence on the tip of my tongue so close to naming her as someone so often. I wish someone would have warned me about that wanting. Would have kept the devil out of my life at those times I was most ready to sell my soul, but that's hard when you've made home in hell. See, our desire, it wasn't made from a hopeful wish. We passed that stage after the first cycle of needless sticks when needle pricks and doctor's visit became habit. By the end, we were so prepared for the opposite that when it did happen, it felt like we'd imagined her into existence. Had made her from the maybe that marked every month not the wish that births so many parents. Call me a pessimist, but she was our last chance. Our final shot. The NHS only covers so much and the fees are too steep to pay up front that last time. It was the first time I'd hesitated. Kept thinking maybe if I don't look at the stick, both options remain in a state of time and place where they exist. And I don't have to go sick, go sad, go crazy with anticipation. I remember staring at that line for hours, just waiting for it to disappear. See, parenthood doesn't come as easy to a squares like everything. It's just that little bit harder. But after everything that's happened, I don't regret it for one second. I get to see my happiness reflected in her smile. Get to give her the childhood I would have liked. I can't sleep tonight or any night. Don't want to let tiredness take me from this life. Too afraid to wake up and not find her by my side. Are you okay? Yeah, I, I had a nightmare. Come here. You're okay. You're all right. Is Annie still asleep? Who? Annie? <laughs> you must still be dreaming. Go back to sleep. You know when they say, sleep when the baby sleeps? Yeah, I used to think that was bullshit. Newborns sleep up to 16 hours a day and I was used to six. <laughs> Thought I had it all figured out. Thought I would be spared that parent's fate of living in a tired, sleepless haze, but... Those first days are an amalgamation of sleep, feed, changing diapers, and being the most tired you've ever been. But after the third night of counting sheep and no sleep, of standing over her crib listening into her breathing, I couldn't do it anymore. I fell asleep. Finally. But when I did, something shifted. Dimensions overlapped, rearranged, and somehow twisted her out of existence when I woke up. She was gone. Not just not there, but never been. Our guest bedroom pristine, not littered with toys and dozens of undescent bottles. No closets full of clothes and dirty laundry. No sign of the child I took home just three days ago. I went crazy. Tore the wallpaper off the walls in my effort to find her. Scared drew to death with my screaming, my anger turned the mattress upside down, ravaged the apartment, dug my fingernails into the carpet until they scratched the wood beneath, tore the bloody splinters out with my teeth, swallowed them in my haste, tasted the irony of blood for blood like a sacrifice to whatever god was out there. Drew had to call 999 and they sedated me after, so I don't remember much, but I woke up back home to the soft cooing of a newborn. 
I still have a habit of checking my fingernails for damage. Checking for the scar hiding under my thumbprint I spent so long thinking I was going insane. I was making things up, hallucinating, but over time, I got used to it. Learned to live two lives. One filled with my child, one filled with the emptiness that she occupies. And on those mornings where the house is too quiet, I try to force myself out of bed for the love of my life. Pity the Drew who exists only in this world, this plane, where she doesn't. Shh, it's okay. Everything okay? Yeah, she just had a nightmare. We're all good. Parenthood looks so good on me. Late at night, carrying our child bare-chested close to the symmetrical scars that mark them masculine like wings to their big heart. In between genders, not mother or father, but parent. A luxury we never thought we would have. To her, we are not burdened by birth names and assigned expectations. And in turn, we raise her to be free of this weight. Of gender and spoon-fed self-hatred. Let her decide for herself whether she is she or he or none of that at all. We are nothing but trust and love for this small human. And yet, that bothers some. We are considered unnatural, opposing the traditional, destroying the sanctity of marital traditions, and though it angers me, you do get used to the hatred. I can't remember a time when I haven't been different, it's been the one constant in a life filled with difference. Where defiance seems mundane, survival is consistent, we're so used to rationalizing away the violence that comes our way that maybe that's why I never tried to change it. Never told anyone about the strange things that were happening, so that now, on the eve of her third birthday, I worry whether I will miss the candles, the hoorays. Worry about the many words I've missed her say. I wonder what happens when I go away. Whether they still write themselves the same, but most of all, I wonder who takes my place. And the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one, and half to the other. And the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and said, O my lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. I don't know if a god exists, but I don't like to call myself agnostic. Don't want to be defined by my inability to prove something's existed. But I did always love the stories. My mum, the least holy woman I've ever known, she'd read them to me. Apparently, it's the only thing that would get me to sleep. 
We've been struggling with Annie recently. She keeps waking up at night to the most blood-curdling screams at first. We thought it was night terrors. Where in the morning she wouldn't even remember, but since she's started not wanting to go to bed. And we've tried with her, tried everything. Tried rocking her endlessly. Tried bedtime stories, but even then she wouldn't sleep. And tonight is another night of no sleep and all fight. Of finding countless reasons to leave her bed, of getting so tired that she can barely get up the steps. I can hear her through in the other room. Drew trying to not let her get to the door, voice strained but calm, not trying to show weakness. Sometimes... I worry that maybe she can feel it. That she can somehow sense the plane shifting and I wonder whether it hurts. Whether I've done her a disservice by wanting her. All I want is for her to stop crying. To stop hurting. But it feels like all I can do is make it worse. And sometimes I... I relish the night she isn't there. I feel like a fake, like the worst parent, like I would do anything to make it stop. Anything? Thank God. It's quiet when I wake up. Oh, stop, don't think that. You love your child. Of course you do. No matter what she does. But if this respite is rested on my shoulders without me having asked for it, I might as well enjoy it, right? I can bide my time both ways. Find pleasure in being a parent and being barren. I like this parenthood of half a child. Shared with an unidentified other, maybe it isn't all that terrifying. At least, that's what I tell myself whenever doubt creeps up. Whenever I wonder whether I should tell someone, and tonight is one of those where I twist and turn myself asleep. Feel fate unpleasantly wrapping its hands around me, breathless. A voice comes to me. Remember me? It speaks. I have sat and waited, listened with bated breath, and I have preyed on your innocence. Do you get it yet? Your life is not your own anymore. I have borrowed it, stolen what was yours, and you have been patient to no avail, sat passively, quietly. When will you speak up for yourself? Well... I sit listening, lipless. Can't bring myself to ask him any of my questions. Too scared that he will answer. It's quiet when I wake up. Again, I stop my train of thought, but this time I am interrupted by the memory of yesterday creeping up on me. Where is she? I check the bed. To the left, a lack of crib. Check through in the living room, the kitchen, a note. Drew left early this morning. But still no sign of a toddler wandering around. And surely they wouldn't have just left her alone while I was still asleep? Check back in the bedroom. The bathroom, through the door to the guest room. Guest room? No sign of the dinosaurs we painted as decoration. No sign of the changing table that sat unused after we realized any service would do. 
slowly sit back down on the unslept bed, fell back, rest my head on the pillow, and panic. Tear the pillow apart, throw the blanket at the plant, mattress to the side, break the slats, hit the window with one of them, glass staring through skin, blood for blood, tear the carpet off the floor, punch a hole in the door, trying to get somewhere, brute force my way back to her, out of here. Maybe I miscounted. I stop in my track, head back to the kitchen, take the calendar off the fridge. Today is Tuesday, the 5th of November, 2014. Yesterday, I put my keys on the counter where they still sit. I baked a cake which was left half-eaten, pieces visible under the Tupperware lit. Shit. I scream, no, roar, throw the calendar on the floor, run outside, out the door, down the stairs, skip steps, tumble, fall, hat bashes against stone, I hear a loud snap, a dull ache, the breaking of a bone. I don't remember how long I lie there. I don't remember Drew coming home. I don't remember the hospital or the bandages, don't remember them setting the bone, I don't remember how long I've been lying there. It could be seconds, or days, or maybe longer. But Annie never comes home. Maybe, maybe it was, was just, just a story. story. Something I told myself to keep from going crazy that somehow I still got to have a, a baby. A baby isn't a bargaining chip. Solomon wasn't a wise king. He's like me, splitting hairs for the sake of it. One parent or another, I don't see the difference. Make no mistake, I will grant you your wish by whatever means I see fit. And when they come to me, they are desperately clinging on to a reality that can't exist. And yet, sometimes I'm convinced that it was me. That I somehow got tricked into taking the hit that this is not my reality. Reality is a strong word for that which is perceived. I don't need to be believed to exist. I visit your dreams and prey on your wishes. Take that which I want and twist it. A baby, is it? Well, let's split the, the difference. difference is, I still remember it. I remember the feeling of your feet kicking for the first time. I still remember your name and the shape of your face. I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy. I sing down to my knees and I pray. pray that you are on the receiving end of my indifference. A child that exists in one place, but two parents that are switched. One wanted a child so badly that they wished for it. One didn't know what they were missing until they did. And I just had to sit it and wait for them to slip. To find a way out of this hell that I am living in. I never meant for this to happen. I just want her back. We'll do anything, I'll do anything, I'll do anything! We'll do anything for their child. A parent's biggest weakness is not their love or their fears, it's their trust and a belief that this world is fair. Solomon didn't think the real parent would give in. He just didn't care. Have a baby or no child at all, it really doesn't matter. Not to me, but I guess if it makes you happy, I can bring her back. What's in it for me? I'll do anything! Anything? <laughs> no, no mercy! This is not a promise you want to make! I'll do anything! I'll do anything! I'll do anything! Like taking candy from a baby. They always take the bait.